And today, I want to move from the cross and the tomb. I want to go in a little different direction today, but it all ties together, really, in, in the order of church history and what happened with Jesus. And I want to, first of all, just make a comment. <clears throat> we live in a world today, and it's affected our church world, where I think in the last few years, to a great extent, we have become a consumer society and a consumer church society. By that I mean we come to church to get what we need and what I want from God and beg him for what I need and then we run away and if we get it, great. If we don't, we're disappointed. But then we look for the next challenge when we come back to God's house and we ask for help again. We want to consume his presence and his help, but sometimes we don't live beyond that. And I think today I want to share some things that hopefully will help us our, understand our role in living beyond that consumer mentality. John chapter 3, one of the most famous passages in the New Testament. We're going to read it together. I'll read it. You read it with me. Follow along. Jesus said these words in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The next verse, Jesus went on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, those are important words because they are important to us because those words helped bring us to Jesus. They're important to us now because all that we've received in walking with God has come because of the cross and what Jesus did for us. But they need to be important in our future, not just because we can consume and get things from God, but now we can have a part in what God is trying to do in our world. I'm going to talk today about our world. I'm going to talk about God's message in our world. God so loved the world, he gave his son. When it talks of the world, it's not talking about land and trees and rocks. It's talking about people. For God so loved people. He loved you. He loved me. He loved everyone on this planet who was, who is, and who will be. For God so loved the world, he gave his best, his son, to try to bring us into relationship with him. And I start with this thought today. If the world is important to God, then the world needs to be important to me too. Well, I got a lot of feedback from the front rows. <laughs> front rows, I want you to be quiet, okay? Let me say it one more time. If the world is important to God, it needs to be important to me too. Okay, I just want to make sure at least we're on the same page. See, sometimes when we sit up high in the cheap seats, we think we don't have to participate. Yes, you do. <laughs> Yes, you do. If you were at a ball game, you'd be screaming louder than anybody. So it's okay to nod your head at least and say, I'm, I'm on with you. But before his ascension, after the cross, before his ascension, Jesus gave a commission to his church. We call it the Great Commission. A commission is the authorization or the command to perform a specific task or tasks. 
So Jesus has authorized us and he has asked us, commanded us to take on a specific task. So let me walk through this real quickly. I'm going to combine Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then what's written in the first chapter of Acts about what we call the Great Commission. What was it? Jesus said, go into all the world, all the world, everybody say all, all the world and preach the gospel. Why? Because there would be those who would believe, who would be baptized, and Jesus said they would be saved. And Jesus says, when that happens, you need to teach them everything that I've taught you and make disciples, make followers of Jesus. So we know the what, we know the why. But how are we going to do this? Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the things that I have done in ministry, you will do also. So basically, Jesus said, do what I've taught you to do. Then where are we going to do this? Jesus goes on to say, you find it in Acts 1. He said, you will be my witnesses. Now notice this, because there's a godly order in this. There's an order for the mission. He said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is home, Judea, the surrounding areas, Samaria, the area that's a little farther off with some foreigners that we don't see eye to eye with, so uh, we don't want to mess with them. But Jesus said, you'll go there too. And then Jesus said, take the message, where? To the end of the world. To the end of the earth. Everywhere where there is people, take the message. And then we say, okay, well, when are we supposed to do this? Well, it's interesting. In, in the account in Acts chapter 1, what it says is, Jesus is about to share the last things with his disciples. And here's what they ask him. Jesus, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said, it's not for you to know all about that. You need to focus on the mission. You see, the great commission becomes the church's mission. Jesus said, don't worry about things that God hasn't given you the details about. The things that are important, you know about. So go to the city of Jerusalem, wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then get about the mission. Well, when are we going to do that? Well, Jesus ascends into heaven, and the disciples are like this. Well, we, we probably would have done the same thing. He just, whoosh. you know, it's like, beam me up, Scotty, and there he goes, you know. He's gone. And these two men appear in white, probably angels. These two men appear in white to the disciples and said, why do you stand gazing into the heaven? You have a mission. Go get about the mission. Okay? So I, I kind of lay this out for you. Jesus has given the church the mission of taking his gospel, his message, God's message to all the world. To all the world. So let's look at what follows. And I'm going to give you the history real quick because this is all a part of the introduction. No extra charge for this, okay? This kind of sets up where I'm going. So you go on into the book of Acts and here's what happens. The message is first preached and received in Jerusalem. And when persecution hits the church, the message is spread to Judea. Just like Jesus said. And then Philip takes the message to Samaria. Just like Jesus said. And then Philip, the same Philip, has an encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch. And the gospel goes to Ethiopia. And then Peter gets a vision from heaven. And he goes to the house of Cornelius, an Italian group in Caesarea, and takes the message to them. And then other believers took the message to Antioch, which is up in Turkey. 
And then the next thing you know, the Apostle Paul, Barnabas, others are going to all of the then-known world taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that was the mission. That was God's plan. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. The point is this. We cannot ignore Jerusalem. We cannot ignore Judea or Samaria. But neither can we ignore the other parts, the ends of the earth. See, Jesus had said earlier on in Matthew 24, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Preach the gospel all the world to all the nations. The word nations there comes from the word ethnos, which really talks about ethnics or people groups. People who are Together because of common language, common history, common family, common community. Sometimes they have their own common territory. He wasn't talking about necessarily nations as we see it today. He's talking about people groups. He said every people group needs to hear the message that God has sent. So let me ask you a question today. I wish I hadn't given you all this. I wish I had asked it earlier, but I'll ask it now. What has God been doing for 2,000 years? You ever think about that? Jesus ascended. What's the wait? Why don't we get on to the end? What has God been doing for 2,000 years? And the only answer I can come up with today is, for 2,000 years, God has been trying to get his message to all people, to all of the world. Everybody smile at me this morning. Matthew 13, turn there if you would. How can God get this message to all the world? See, I've been to a lot of nations. I've been to some fairly isolated people, villages, people, groups. Uh, I've been to some places in Africa that are a little remote. I've been to some places in India and Nepal that you and I would consider very remote. I've been in a few unusual places, unusual in my mind. And even with our technology today, we wonder, well, how in the world can we reach all of these people, especially those who've never heard? Matthew 13, verse 31. Here's what Jesus said. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Now, a mustard seed is tiny. Okay? It's also really hard to kill. The mustard seed Jesus was talking about. Once it starts growing, it's hard to kill the plants. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and he sowed it in his field. Which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. The point that Jesus is making here is the kingdom of God usually begins with a tiny little seed, a tiny little message. And once it goes into the ground and it's taken care of and watered and preserved, it begins to grow. And it grows and it grows and it grows. And once it starts growing, it's almost impossible to stomp it out and kill it. But before long, it's not just a plant, it's not just a bush. The kind of mustard that Jesus was talking about would become a plant where even the birds would come and build their nests and the things, the animals of the earth would come and find shelter there 
under that tree. So we think about this for a moment. And, and there's a principle I want you to just come back to for a minute. A seed may be tiny, but it carries amazing potential. You know, look at these oak trees we have around here in our area. I used to live in a place where those oak trees would dump on my patio and we'd have these little acorns. And stop and realize, if I put that in the ground and take care of it, in about 150 years, it'll look like that. But Jesus said that's the way the kingdom of God works. It starts as a seed. You plant it in one heart. It begins to grow. It begins to spread. And it goes on and on and on and on from there. Now, let me illustrate this principle to you. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. We have the picture of the mustard seed and what it produces. But now let's talk about the kingdom of God. I'm going to give you a simple illustration of this. Back in 2001, which was, was almost 22 years ago now, I went on a missions trip into East Africa. I had a dear friend, an older minister who's now gone to be with the Lord. He had invited me to go to Africa with him. I'd always wanted to go to Africa, minister there. He invited me to go and be a part of a team that was doing three different pastor's conferences. I jumped at the opportunity. I was so excited about it. So we are traveling to Africa. We're taking these long airplane flights. And this old seasoned pastor who had started a Bible translation ministry, he traveled most of the world, been in a lot of remote places, he pulled us all together and he said, now look, when we get into Africa, it's a different world. And he said, we're going to be in three different countries and you're going to see so much need, it's going to overwhelm you. So here's what you need to do. You need to find one thing. Pray. Say, God, show me one thing to be responsible for. He said it might be helping one pastor or one church or one ministry or one family. But whatever it is God puts in your heart, you grasp that thing, you hold it close, and you realize this is my part of the mission, and I'm going to do this as a seed, and we'll see what God does with this. He said, because if you don't, you will go home and when you think about all the need, it will overwhelm you. You will do nothing, and you'll be ashamed for the rest of your life. So I was there, and I started praying. Okay, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Well, I began to talk to these young pastors and different people, and some were pastors, some were pastors-to-be, some were students in training. And, and I, I began to hear a common theme. I came from a far village, or I live in a far village. I want to be trained in the ministry because I want to take the gospel to my people. But it's too far to get to Bible school. I have a family. I can't come here. It's too expensive. But I want to get trained to preach the gospel of Jesus. I want to help build churches. So all of a sudden, something began to burn in me. And God dropped in my heart, there has got to be some kind of video Bible school for these students. So I came home and started looking, and it didn't take long. I mean, right there in my backyard, I didn't even know it. There's a gentleman who had developed a whole Bible school curriculum with some of the most famous teachers in the church world teaching the curriculum in different languages. They did it live, and then they worked with interpreters and replaced each interpreter with a different language. And at that time, they already had 50 or 60 languages, I think, developed. So... I took some of the materials, 
enough for three Bible schools, and I went back again to Africa because there were three places that had asked me, please help us bring training materials to our nation. So I made the trip. I went to these places. I dropped off the materials, and it was several hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars. Wasn't a big deal because I'd found a way to come up with the money. Went and dropped these off, and then I went into Uganda to drop off the last materials And as I sat and talked to these ministers who were leading this ministry, they told me, we have a facility we just bought. It's about a three-hour drive from here, and we bought it specifically to train village pastors because once the village pastors come to the big city, learn English, and figure out the lifestyle of the big city, they don't want to go back to their villages. So we want to train them in their own language so they will go back home. Can you help us? So I came back home and went to the man who developed this curriculum. And I told him what my heart was and what my desire was. We wanted to develop this curriculum in the Luganda language, which next to English is the second most widely spoken language in Uganda. At least it was at that time. So he told me what it was going to cost, what all had to happen. I made one more trip to Uganda, dropped off the recorder, all the materials. I found someone to do the interpretation work, and I knew it was going to take months to do it, but we paid him to do the work. So I got all this in order. But here's the interesting thing. At that time, I, was, I had just resigned a church where I'd been pastoring. I was attending this church as an attender, and I'd become good friends with our founding pastor, Roger Brewer. And I was getting ready to go back on this trip. And he said to me one day, what do you need for this trip? And I said, well, I'm still needing help. And he said, what, tell me how much you need. And I said, well, here's what I need. And at the time, it was still three or $4,000. He said, okay, I'll write you a check. We'll, we'll make sure you get there. It sounds like this is important. So this church took $3,000, $4,000 and planted it as a seed in unreached people. Okay, now, sounds like a big deal. It's not the big picture of things, but here's what's interesting. Several years later, several years later, one of Zach's cousins goes with my old preacher friend to Africa. And he's there in one of the cities in Rwanda. And he says to this young man, this young pastor, so you're pastoring a church. How did, how did you get into the ministry? And this preacher looked at him and said, I'll tell you how I got into the ministry. A man named Gary Martin came here and brought us curriculum. And that touched my heart. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool that several years later, this guy knew that. But here's the more interesting thing. This church planted that seed. Now, now can I go one step further? Is everybody with me so far? Okay, I'm going to illustrate something to you. So this week, I reached out to the gentleman who started this whole Bible school curriculum. <clears throat> and I said, hey, <clears throat> I don't know what all has happened through the years. I just created the seed. I left it with you to, get, to give away to people who needed it, to sell the curriculum to those who had the money for the supplies and so forth. What's happened all these years? Here's his response. I remember, this was a small seed 20 years ago. He said, we have had such enormous fruit in Uganda from that translation that I hardly know where to begin. Now listen to this. Many thousands of ministers have been trained by that content 
and many hundreds of new churches have been planted. We have sent over to one graduation alone 752 diplomas. That's your seed. That's your seed. And so he said, here, I'll just send you three or four testimonies. And I, and I went through them, and actually there were several, but I, I picked out three. One minister in, in Uganda said this. He said, we had to get new resources because we wore out the first resources you sent us. We used them so much. He said, by now, listen to this. This is one minister, one pastor. By now, over 186 churches have been planted in South Sudan, 25 in Western Kenya, and over 100 in Eastern Uganda. That's 311 churches plus. You did that. It was your seed. And so then he sends me this from another pastor in Uganda. His organization is called HPIM. He said, HPIM will be, gradu- will be graduating over 1,000 students in Burundi, which is a neighboring country. We now have 237 schools and more than 7,500 students just in Burundi. Let that sink in for a minute. 7,500 students. This is, this is in the past few years. In Uganda, we will establish 10 more schools, bringing the total to 29 schools. The 19 schools functioning now have over 800 students. Think about that. And then one more. This pastor said, we have many students now doing the ISOM in Uganda and recently sent diplomas to 752 students. See, the kingdom of God is like a seed. You put it in the ground, take care of it, and it grows and it grows and expands and it spreads and it seeds and expands and it spreads. And see, God wants us to not get overwhelmed with the mission he's given us, but to focus our attention on what each of us should do with this mission. See, that seed we planted 20 years ago has produced over and over again, and it's still producing today. God has put the great commission in our hands and his commission is now our mission and here's what I've come to realize if we can't go some of you can't go if we can't go we need to send those who can go and we need to put seed in the ground because if the world matters to God it should matter to us as well First lesson I learned when I went to third world countries is very simple. In America, it costs so much money to do so little. But in those third world nations, it costs so little money to do so much. And it's true. If you've been on a missions trip to a third world nation, you know that. Now let let me get down to what's really important this morning. I told you this is a little different than the normal message we preach, but we don't want to just be consumers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. There are approximately approximately 8 billion people in our world. 8 billion people in our world. And this is divided into about 17,400 different distinct people groups. 
17,400 people groups. 7,400 of those people groups are considered unreached with the gospel. Which means 3.37 billion people on our planet have never heardly, never correctly, clearly heard and received the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's 42% of the world's population. Four out of ten people on the planet don't have access to scripture, to teachers, to God's word as we have it today. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. Today, I'm going to do something that I haven't done here in, in the 14 and a half years that Ann and I have been here. If you don't know, if you're newer to the bridge, our church has a 38-plus year history. Ann and I are the second pastors. But when we came here in 2008, we're in the middle of recession. How many remember the recession of 2008? Remember that? It was fun, wasn't it? I'm, I'm anxious to do that again, aren't you? Good news is it may be six months. We may be trying again. Who knows? I know I just freaked somebody out. We'll get over it. But God's dropped something in my heart. And today I want to challenge us, the Bridge Church. I want to challenge us to take some responsibility for our world. To plant some seed in a world that needs the gospel. We are so blessed. We can find the message of Jesus everywhere we turn. Some people have never heard, even once. It's not our Jerusalem, it's not our Judea, it's not our Samaria. It's the ends of the earth that need to hear. So I'm going to ask you, what is the value of one eternal soul? What, what price tag could you put on that? One dollar? Five dollars? A thousand dollars? A hundred thousand dollars? A million dollars? God said, here's what I think it's worth. I'll put my own son on a cross to buy that person back. And then I need you to take this message to the world. Because people will believe. Let me do it this way. What is the value of the person sitting next to you today? See, that changes it. If it's some unknown face in some remote part of the world, it's like, eh, 50 cents. If that's that person sitting next to you, suddenly it's every penny I have I would give for them. See, that's how God sees every one of these lost souls. He paid the same price for all of us. Okay, next thing. What if I were, and I know this is going to insult some people, it's going to anger some people, it's going to frustrate some people, but the Spirit of God will help us get through this. What if I was, and what if we were to see our money as seed to get the gospel around the world? That's really, that's really what the church world needs. You talk to missionaries, you talk to those doing the work, they'll tell you, we can reach the people, we just need the money to get the materials and get the vehicles there and get all that we need there to reach those people. Missionaries have been telling us for years, all we need is the money to do it. What if I was to see my money 
as seed for the kingdom of God. Hmm? Now I'm going to move quickly, so stay with me. I can't tell you the whole story because it would take a lot of time and it would, it, it's not worth going through all of it. But for the last 14 years, the Bridge Church has been involved in ministry in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I'm going to tell you a little bit about where we are right now. Okay, and I want you to hear this. Our Jerusalem, it's all of the Bridge Ministries that you see weekly. It's community care where we're giving away food to families in need. We also support Student Venture which does ministry in the schools. That's our Jerusalem. But we're also involved in Judea. We're a part of the Association of Related Churches that are building churches all over the United States, and it's beginning to spread across the world. But it's been focused for years right here in the U.S. We help build a lot of churches every year here in our country. Speaking of Samaria, the outlying nations around us we support a ministry that every day is doing ministry in Mexico in parts of Central America. But then I want to talk to you about the ends of the earth. We support one ministry that does Bible schools and church planting in Europe, Africa, and Asia. We support them monthly. Another ministry we support monthly is a ministry that is doing work with the underground church in China, and their main focus is Bible translation. Probably next Sunday morning, I'll bring it out and show you. I have a Bible this missionary brought me and said, here, I want you to see this. It's a Bible in a Chinese language that is so remote, but it's going to reach millions of people. And our church has had a part of that. We're also a part of a ministry that's doing ministry in the Ukraine, has been for several years, building Bible schools, building churches. They have an orphanage there, and now they're helping refugees during the Ukrainian war. We also are involved in a ministry and support them monthly that does leadership training almost around the world, but it's focused especially on next generation, raising up younger leaders for the church for the future. A lot of their focus is India. We also support a ministry that's been building churches and Bible schools in Central and South America, Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. We've been doing this for 25 years, at least, maybe 30 years. We also support A21, an organization you heard about a few weeks ago from Christine Kane, that they're involved in anti-human trafficking ministry in 19 or 15 nations with 19 offices around the world. We're also very much involved monthly in supporting a ministry that's reaching out, helping leaders, helping raise up worship leaders and next generation business people in northern India and Nepal, up in the border of China area. We also support a pastor, have been for probably 30 years, who pastors a church in Scotland. And if there's ever a country that needs a move of God, it's Scotland. Less than 1% of the people go to church there. We also help support a pastor in Kenya where we built a church for him. We support him monthly so he can keep building that church. I'll be telling you more about this next Sunday. But here's the interesting part. All of this comes out of our church budget. 
This is how we've done it for years. And, and there are reasons for it. I won't get back into it today. It doesn't matter. But every time you give your tithe and your offerings to the church, it's used for outreach. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. When people are looking for God, and I want everybody to hear this today, I'm almost finished. When people are looking for God, God will find someone who will help him put his seed into their lives. If God needs to, he'll move heaven and earth to get his word to somebody who's looking for him. We have the opportunity to do that. If we can't go, we need to send those who can and who will go. It's our mission. You know, right now, there are, there are opportunities everywhere around our globe. I hear of it almost every week. I receive mail, emails from people who are doing the ministry and what they need is seed. What they need is seed. A few months ago, and, I, and like I said, I'm almost finished, so stay with me. A few months ago, I went to be a part of this missions retreat. And I knew about this ministry, but I didn't know what all they're doing. It's a large organization. And the particular event I was involved in had to do more with the Middle East. I'm, I'm, I'm very much concerned about the Middle East because I've been into a little bit of the Middle East. I've seen the need firsthand. The Muslim-speaking nations are looking for Jesus, and they need Jesus. I say Muslim-speaking, the Muslim religion people. Now, I want you to listen to me. This organization got their materials, their Bible teaching materials, into somebody's hands who took it to somebody, who took it to somebody. And right now, they are participating in an underground church in one of the largest underground churches in the world where even the government is trying to find them but doesn't know how to find them and what to do about them. And a lot of these underground churches, and this is going to really play with some people's theology, especially hardheads, but uh, everybody laugh. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person sitting next to you. But you know, who, you know who's leading this great revival in homes? Women. You know where it is? Iran. We hear all kinds of stuff about Iran. One of the greatest revivals, one of the fastest growing churches in the world is the underground church in Iran. And a lot of those churches are working off materials that these people got in across the border into somebody's hands. And they're multiplying the seed and they're taking Jesus to the people. I also found out, this, this really blow your mind. They've gotten these materials into the hands of people on the West Bank of Israel into Palestine they are now doing Bible studies with these materials, with imams in mosques in Palestine. John chapter 3, where we read from earlier, where Jesus said, for God so loved the world. Jesus told Nicodemus, the wind blows wherever it wants to blow. Friend, let me tell you something. When people are looking for God, God's going to blow his wind into those places. and He's going to get his spirit there. He's going to do it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close. And I'm only two minutes and 45 minutes past my time. So a few weeks ago, God challenged me. Have you ever had God challenge you? God challenged me. If I were to tell you what we spend on missions every year, it's a sizable amount of money. 
Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. It's a lot of money. But God challenged me because we've been doing this out of our general fund. And I, I think there's a lot of us who'd like to have a part in what God's doing in the world, a bigger part. So God challenged me, the Bridge Church, God challenges us to provide seed for the world. But keep in mind, everything we give that's designated has to be used for that use. When you give to the Bridge Church online or if you give in an envelope, you can designate your money. Tithes and offerings need to go where tithes and offerings belongs. So I'm talking about above my regular giving to the church. God challenged me, and I believe God wants me to challenge you today to say, let's take the world serious. Let's take the mission serious. I believe in the next 45 days, which is through the end of May, I believe we can give $100,000 designated for the world. That's, a, that's 100 people giving $1,000. We could do that. But not everybody can give $1,000, maybe 500. Maybe it's 250. Maybe it's 100 or 50 or 25 or 10 or 5. We can all plant seed in our world. And let me say it again. I'm, I'm asking you, do not take your regular giving and say, well, I'm just going to shift it over. That doesn't solve any problems for God's kingdom or for the Bridge Church. But I'm asking you to pray because Ann and I would never ask you to do something that we ourselves wouldn't do. So we're going to lead the way. I'm not going to tell you exactly what we're going to do. But if I ask you to do something, I promise you, I'll do that and more. So I know what God's dropped in my heart. I'm afraid of what God's dropped in my wife's heart because she's got a bigger heart than me. <laughs> but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And, and, you know, a lot of times churches take pledge cards. What can you give over the next 45 days? I'm not going to do that. I'm simply going to watch and see what will people give as seed to take the gospel to the world. Next Sunday morning, I'm, I'm going to continue some of this. I'm going to tell you some of what we've been involved in and some of what we can do, some of the opportunities we have to reach our world. I'm going to be sharing that more next Sunday morning. I'll probably have some pictures for you to show you some of what we've been involved in. But today, it's a solemn moment when we just need to decide, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with the mission God's given us? I do my part, you do your part. Whatever it is. Somebody may be sitting there saying, man, I can do $10,000. Wonderful. But that won't take responsibility off anybody else. It just makes it that much more we can give as seed to the world. And it comes back to this. My final part. For God so loved the world. For God so loved people. He gave his only son. Let's take God's son to the people of the world. Let's help reach the people who've not been reached. And maybe you're sitting here today and you've listened to this and you thought, wow, this is mind-boggling. Let me bring it down to home. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord? God loves you so much, he put his own son on a cross to buy you back, to bring you into his family, to wipe away all your sin and make you perfect in his sight, give you eternal life. The question is, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Have you made him the Lord of your life? I want to pray a prayer right now. And if you haven't do it, done that, it'll give you an opportunity right now to just put your faith in Jesus. It all begins with the prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we open our hearts to you today. 
we believe that Jesus is the Son of God who was put up on a cross and died for our sins. You raised him from the dead because you accepted his sacrifice on the cross. Then he ascended back to you where he rules and reigns forever. And someday he's coming back to our earth to rule and reign. But today I ask Jesus to begin to rule and reign in my heart and in my life. I accept you as my Savior and I ask you to become the Lord of my life. Teach me your ways. I want to know you and I want to follow you. So from this moment forward, I want to be your child and I ask you to be my father. I receive you, I accept you, I embrace you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. While heads are still bowed, Father, I ask you to speak to people all across our audience here, people watching online about our part in the seed to reach the ends of the earth. Whether it's a large seed, whether it's a smaller seed, every seed matters. That husbands and wives would talk together and pray together and say, God, out of the abundance you blessed us with, and even out of our need, what would you have us to do? To not just be consumers, but to be those who produce for the kingdom of God. Brother, speak to us and show us, and over these next six weeks, we will obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Last thing, before Pastor Corey comes, if you made a decision to follow Christ today, we got a little gift we'd love to give you called The Next Seven Days. It's just very simple reading to help you get started walking with God. Uh, praying that prayer is not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning. We'd love to put it in your hands. When our service is over, we have prayer teams down front. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. But if you just walk up to one of those prayer teams, say, hey, I want the booklet, they'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you got questions, you want prayer for something else, they're here to help you. Out in the lobby, as you exit, right in the middle of the glass doors, there's a counter set up there with a screen that says the next seven days. If you'll stop there, we'll give you the same booklet there. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. Before the stampede starts this morning, give Pastor Corey a good hand as he comes. Hey, can we thank Pastor Gary for that awesome message this morning? Thank you for challenging us, Pastor. This is the moment in service where we get to honor God with our giving. We get to worship him with our giving. There's going to be several uh, options you'll see on the screen. Today, if your heart's just moved by Pastor Gary's uh, message and his challenge, you can allocate some giving to missions, whether it's on a physical envelope or online. There's a spot that you can designate it as well. And Pastor Gary challenged our staff this last week with the challenge he just gave you. And Amber and I have been praying about what he's put on our heart in in this way. And before we, uh, before we take off, I just tell you, he mentioned the church in Kenya that we built a few years ago. And I was privileged to be the pastoral um, lead on that trip and got to go. And uh, we said, we, we arrived in a town in Kenya and we said, looking at a dirt field in the next five days, we're going to build a church and then we're going to have church on Sunday and looking at a dirt field. Yeah, you clap. I was stressed. I was like, I don't know how we're going to pull that off. But we did. On the way to church one day, we saw a flea market. We pulled over and we bought two things. We bought a rope and we bought a soccer ball. Both of them were a dollar together. Day one, about 10 kids showed up and we jump roped with them with a rope. Day two, all those kids went home and they told them, hey, they have a jump rope. The next day, about 25 kids showed up to jump rope. 
The next day, all those kids told their friends about the rope and about 40 kids showed up and jump roped with us. Every single day, kids were just showing up to jump rope with a 50 cent rope. So little overseas goes so far. That Sunday, I got to preach in that church and it was literally bursting at the seams. People were in the window for the very first service. Your giving goes so much further than you could ever imagine. And maybe you won't get to see it with your eyes. I got to see just a small glimpse and that's the pastor that we support week in and week out. God knows what he's done in that church over the last six years. So today as you give, give knowing it is seed that you plant. And thank you so much for being such an amazing, generous church. You really are so phenomenal. Hey, before you go, I have to mention really quick, youth convention signups are done this Wednesday and we literally have one girl spot and we have, I think it's six guy spots. So if you're wanting to send your teenager, your junior high or high schooler to San Diego with us the end of this month for three days, you can have a whole weekend to yourself. They're going to experience God. It's going to be amazing. Go register online. If you have any questions, I'll be out at the info center right after service. Hey, have you enjoyed being in church? today. We love you guys so much. Go on us peace and love. We'll see you next week.